Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. So I'm going to be reading from the easy-to-read version, which is one of my favorites, especially if Paul's going to be writing anything. So Psalm 46 to the director, a song from the Korah family, using the Alamoth, a song. God is our protection and source of strength. He is always ready to help us in times of troubles. So we are not afraid when the earth quakes and the mountains fall into the sea. We are not afraid when the seas become rough and dark and the mountains tremble. Selah. There is a river whose streams bring happiness to God's city, to the holy city of God most high. God is in that city, so it will never be destroyed. He is there to help even before sunrise. Nations will shake with fear and kingdoms will fall when God shouts and makes the earth move. The Lord, all-powerful, is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. Selah. Look at the powerful things the Lord has done. See the awesome things he has done on earth. He stops wars all over the world. He breaks the soldiers' bows, shatters their spears, and burns their shield. God says, stop fighting and know that I am God. I am the one who defeats the nation. I am the one who controls the world. The Lord all-powerful is with us. The God of Jacob is our place of safety. Selah. And the second reading comes from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 12. God, with his mercy, gave us this work to do so we don't give up. But we have turned away from secret and shameful ways. We don't use trickery, and we don't change the teachings of God. We teach the truth plainly. This is how we show people who we are. And this is how they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are before God. The good news that we tell people may be hidden, but it is hidden only to those who are lost. The ruler of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They cannot see the light of the good news, the message about the divine greatness of Christ. Christ is the one who is exactly like God. We don't tell people about ourselves, but we tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we tell them that we are your servants for Jesus. God once said, let light shine out of the darkness, and this is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts to let us know that his own divine greatness is seen in the face of Christ. We have this treasure from God, but we are only like clay jars that hold the treasure. This is to show the amazing power we have is from God, not from us. We have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. We don't often know what to do, but we don't give up. We are persecuted, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. So we constantly experience the death of Jesus in our own bodies, but this is so that the life of Jesus can also be seen in our bodies. We are alive, but for Jesus, we are always in danger of death, so that the life of Jesus can be seen in our bodies that die. 
So death is working in us, but the result is that life is working in you. Thanks for reading, Cindy. If you'd turn back uh, to Psalm 46, uh, we're in a series uh, through January uh, called Old Words for a New Year. Uh, We're working our way through a bunch of psalms as we uh, head towards sort of launching our year in uh, early February uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus, uh, wonderful words, that wonderful sermon. I'm a bit off the pace, so I'm often a bit off the pace, but our year is already underway, and normally before the year starts, I sort of, as a pastor, recommend or at least remind you guys that as Christians, one of the good things we do is read the Bible, uh, systematically read the Bible. Uh, it's good to be in the Word sort of every day. Um, I realise that I sort of miss that boat rather than sort of you know, giving you a heads up, hey, what are you gonna, how are you going to read the Bible through 2022? It's now the 9th of January, and I really haven't done that. Um, but if you're part of our online community, I put up the other Today, um, uh, a new app, which, well, a newish app in some ways, uh, made by our very own Sam Jesaitis, who's going to put his hand reluctantly in the air. There he is. Uh, Sam's made a, an app called Solar Bible Companion, um, and uh, it's only available to people, like real people, it's only available to people on Apple at the moment. Um, and I think we should keep it that way, actually. No. Um, but Sam is going to develop it so that it's available for all people. But at the moment, it's, it's a wonderful way to actually engage in systematic Bible reading. So if you're looking for a way uh, to read the Bible uh, sort of systematically through the year, you can jump on there. You can set up, um, you can set up reading plans um, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, sort of a scattered approach as well. Uh, you can set it up with other people so you can be reading the Bible together, all those sorts of things. So I can highly recommend Solar. Bible Companion. The other thing I want to highlight to you as well is um, the principal of Ridley College, Dr. Brian Rosner, about a year or so ago, um, highlighted this way of reading the Bible, which involves three uh, bookmarks. Um, And so the idea being that rather than sort of, you know, like this day schedule where you've got to keep up, you know, 20 chapters of the Bible a day, it was where he suggested to put a bookmark in the Old Testament, a bookmark in the Psalms, and a bookmark in the New Testament. And the aim was every day to move all three bookmarks, you know, to the right kind of thing, to, to move them each way. But some days, you know, it just gets busy and you can't quite move all three. But the aim was to move at least one. Um, if you can do all three, wonderful. Um, and his encouragement was uh, to always going to read a psalm every day and to use that psalm as the sort of basis for your prayers and things like that. Um, So I really like that approach. I'm a little bit haphazard at times with my Bible reading. Uh, The three bookmarks has worked well for me. Anyway, if that's something that interests you, I went uh, to the lovely Koorong this week and bought some interesting, no, not interesting, some bookmarks for us. Um, And so on the back table in the foyer are three bookmarks. Um, One has a First from Proverbs, I'm thinking you could drop that into the Old Testament if you wanted. Uh, One has a verse from Hebrews, I'm thinking you could drop that into the New Testament. And one has the Lord's Prayer on it, which I thought you could drop into the Psalms. So if that's something that appeals to you, um, or you just like bookmarks, um, grab one or two or three of these on your way out, and maybe that's a way you could begin uh, 2022 reading the Bible. Um, there you go. So three bookmarks, um, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, or um, Solar, the Bible app, amongst all the other plethora of other ways you can be reading the Bible as well in 2022. 
Before we get into the word, uh, I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to talk about this question. When you are happy, when things are going well, is there a song that you find yourself humming or singing regularly? When things are going well, when you're kind of happy, when things are going really well, is there a song that you kind of sing, you come back to? Have a chat to the person around you. You may have nothing. Ask the person next to you. Um, I'll give you one minute to talk about that. All right. Let's, uh, let's come back together. Does, um, does, anyone, like, does anyone have a song? Like, you don't have to, you know, sing it, but you can just raise your hand. Does anyone actually have a song that came to mind? Cindy had one. Oh, a couple of hands. Yeah, there you go. Rightio. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's pray. Keep that in the back of your mind. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Thank you, Father, for this time together again this morning. And we pray with thanks for the opportunity and the freedom we have at this time still to gather together in person. Uh, we pray for our brothers and sisters online uh, who are isolating. Uh, Father, we pray for the members of our community uh, who um, are battling even at this time uh, COVID-19. We pray that as we gather around your word this morning, you would address us as your people. Uh, Father, move us uh, to love Jesus and to live for Jesus and ultimately to keep trusting Jesus, come what may. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, a number of years ago, uh, Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams. I'm a little bit of a fan uh, on the quiet of Robbie. Uh, sometimes you'll find me in our church office listening to Robbie via Spotify, but, you know, occasionally. But uh, Robbie Williams, uh, some time ago, released an album called Sing When You're Winning. Uh, sing when you're winning. And it makes sense, doesn't it, to sing when you're winning. Uh, what better time to sing than when things are going really, really, really well. Um, as a follower of the Richmond Football Club, um, I've never song, sung our club song with such gusto as when we won three premierships in recent years. Um, it's when, when things are going really well, you sing. But what do you sing when you're losing? What do you hum when your world falls apart? Does it have to be a woeful moan? Does it need to be a song with a 12-bar blues backing and a growling lead vocal to sing when you're losing? Psalm 46 that we had read just before sings in the face of fear. Uh, Sings this actually, Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way. It's strange, right, because it screams out confidence, but it's confidence that should have already been destroyed. As it was read out, like all the circumstances that the psalmist talks about, it seems ridiculous to be singing and to be at all confident. When the world is falling apart, despair is what comes naturally, not confidence or fearlessness. Mother Teresa of Calcutta spent her life surrounded by extreme poverty and human suffering. She spent nearly 50 years living among the sick and the lame and the dying in the slums of India. And it cut her. In private letters, she lamented that she didn't actually practice what she preached, that her outward demeanour didn't match the desolation that she felt inside her. From her letters, she said this, a quote, A smile is a big cloak which covers a multitude of pains. My cheerfulness is a cloak by which I cover the emptiness and misery. I deceive people with this weapon. 
Mother Teresa had this feeling of desolation that flowed from feeling that God was absent in the suffering. At points in her life, she actually wrote about a lack of consolation. She wrote this, quote, There is so much contradiction in my soul. No faith, no love, no zeal. I find no words to express the depths of the darkness. My heart is so empty, so full of darkness. I don't pray any longer and work holds no joy, no attraction, no zeal. I have no faith. I don't believe, end quote. Now, I don't want to get distracted by the nature of Mother Teresa's beliefs or whether these were her true feelings all the time or or just feelings that she had from time to time and, and wrote down in some letters when she was feeling particularly flat. I certainly don't want to destroy the esteem that is held for her in the way that she devoted so much of her life to the good of others. But it strikes me that if someone like Mother Teresa lost heart when the world crumbled, how is it that this son of Korah sings so fearlessly and confidently in the face of calamity? If Mother Teresa couldn't sing in the face of fear, how on earth can you and I? You see, like all good songs, the key is in the chorus. So verse seven and repeat it again in verse 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We never have to lose heart, brothers and sisters, because the power and protection of the God who is with us is ours, even if our world kind of falls apart. And that's what's happening there in the opening verses of Psalm 46. I hope you have it open in front of you. Psalm 46, verse 1. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The imagery that the psalmist uses is not accidental. It's not just random. It's not just sort of off the top of his head. He's drawing on the biblical language of Genesis and the creation account. In the beginning, when God spoke the world into existence, Genesis chapter one, look it up later, God dealt with water. Seas and oceans in ancient Hebrew thinking are symbolic of chaos We don't think that way, right? Mostly us about water. Um, Mostly our experience of water is like the Adelaide Aquatic Centre just down the road or suburban beaches where there are no waves. It's not very chaotic outside Glenelg or wherever you go. But out in the ocean, waters can rage. Uncontrollable chaos away from the shore. So in Genesis chapter one, before the world was formed, God's spirit hovered over the waters and God speaks and separates water from water to create the sky. And he speaks again to gather the water under the sky and forms areas of land. My point is that God brings order in the midst of chaos. God drove back the water. And then you turn a couple of chapters further ahead in Genesis, Genesis chapter six, and what do we get? We get Noah and the flood. And we see the reversal of creation. The water's coming back to reclaim the land. And in Psalm 46, it's the, it's the chaos of water that is pictured against the, or pitted against the most permanent part of creation, the most ordered part, the mountains. Now I know, I know you're thinking, actually, Jacko, I know mountains do change. Mountains change, Jacko. 
Apparently, yes, I'll give you that. Mount, apparently, Mount Everest grows by about 2.5 centimetres every year. I think we can say, though, at that rate, right, mountains are kind of permanent features of our landscape. And here, Psalm 46 opens with mountains crashing into the sea. It's chaos. That which is permanent is shaking and quaking. Creation is being reversed. And what the psalmist is doing is kind of watching the world fall apart. And yet he's not scared. Doesn't worry him. Now, by the way, he's not trying to describe here a specific historical event at this point. He's evoking the collapse of the world. It's tapping into tragedy at multiple levels. So this kind of description of the world falling apart, I reckon, would resonate with our brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted for their faith. People driven from their homes, buried, burned, buildings destroyed, whole families murdered. These are people who have a world that is falling apart. Psalm 46 resonates with a couple I know who not so long ago were expecting their first child. The time came for the birth. The child was born in a hospital, Royal Melbourne Hospital, a good hospital filled with expertise, all the equipment. A little girl was born, Poppy, she was delivered, but Anna, her mother, started hemorrhaging. And the doctors, although extremely skilled and very talented, couldn't stop the flow. Within 45 minutes of her delivering her child, Poppy, new life, she lost her own. Her husband was there cradling their new daughter while dealing with the massive grief of losing his wife. His world fell apart. And Psalm 46 is painting this picture with words. The world is collapsing and yet even then you can remain fearless because God is our strength and refuge. Because God is with us. God is on hand to help. In the words of the chorus, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And the rest of the psalm, Psalm 46, spells out the significance of that chorus. So in verses four to six, we see God is the fortress. Have a look at verses four through to seven. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The psalmist takes us inside the fortress walls, inside where God is there and God is in his city and the city is nothing like the raging world outside. Those destructive waters that are, that are on the outside have been tamed into a flowing river and again, it's creation language. When God made the first people and placed them in Eden, in the garden, there was a life-giving river that flowed through that garden. And here again is in God's city, there is a stream that brings life and joy and peace to its citizens. And so while outside the world is falling apart with immovable mountains crumbling, in verse five, God is in this city and therefore this city cannot fall. 
To knock a mountain down is hard, but it is possible. This city can't fall because God is impossible to overcome. It's his voice that speaks and it makes nations and kings and the whole earth just melts at his voice. The world might fall apart, but it won't make a dent in the fortress that is God. And he utters the word and just like a lump of wax sitting too close to a fireplace, the whole world just slides away. Here is why the psalmist is fearless, because he knows the power and the protection of the God who is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The psalmist continues, right? And he elaborates on what happens when God goes out of his city into the chaos of the world. Uh, So verses eight through to the end of the psalm. Come and see, the psalmist says, what the Lord has done, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, if you're a, if you're a regular Bible reader, if you're across the Bible, uh, you'll know that often when the Bible sort of says, come see the works that the Lord has done, they're usually pointing to like good and spectacular and constructive things. So think for a moment about two of the, the moments of God's greatest works. I reckon they're the work of creation and the work of salvation. Two good, spectacular and incredibly constructive events that God has overseen and caused. When God creates, he brings life out of nothing. When God saves, he brings life out of death. So it's a bit of a surprise, yeah, when you come to Psalm 46, verse 8, and the psalmist says, come check out the works of God. And the works of God are actually desolation, not construction. But this desolation, this destruction, is just the flip side of salvation, I don't know if you've heard the old saying, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. Have you heard that one before? You can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. Apparently the phrase first turned up through a British member of parliament in the 19th century, a bloke called Thomas Perinette Thompson. Um, His original phrase was, I quote, we're walking upon eggs and whether we tread east or we tread west, an omelette will not be made without breaking the breaking of some. Let me tell you a bit about Thompson. Um, He was a Christian man, a Methodist lay preacher, and he was actually a good friend, a really good friend of William Wilberforce. Many of us will know William Wilberforce, right? Uh, The the man who did a a great deal at seeking to bring about the abolishment of slavery. Um, Thompson spent some time as governor of the, the nation of Sierra Leone in the 1800s, but he was dismissed from his post as governor of Sierra Leone uh, because of his vocal opposition to the slave trade when the empire, the British Empire, wanted to kind of keep it going. Um, Tom, Thompson was a relentless critic of the empire all of his life and their practices. Um, at the time of the Indian Mutiny in 1857, Thompson was an outspoken defender, not of the British, but of the indigenous people and their rights and their need for justice. He spent his life committed to justice, but he understood justice wouldn't come without the breaking of some eggs. And the psalmist is pointing to God's desolation. 
He's saying, you watch God break the necessary eggs in order to bring about true peace and justice. Stopping wars permanently requires a power that will crush weapons and crush the causes of war. And when God, the Lord Almighty, actually a better translation of that is the Lord of hosts, the general of the army, when God goes out into the world, he wields power and power to bring end, the end to all wars. See, the psalmist avoids the depth of despair that Mother Teresa found herself in because he knows the power and the protection of the God who is actually with him. And if he realises that, if he stays with God, remains with God in that city, nothing in the outside world will harm him. And God knows that too, not surprisingly. And so he gives this advice in Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, the call to be still here in verse 10, I reckon would have to be up there with one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. You can have a chat to me at the door afterwards about which other verses you think are up for grabs there, but I think it's probably the most misunderstood. A a lot of Christians read the call to be still, I think through a sort of veiled Eastern philosophical viewpoint. You know, that God is calling us to sort of simply relax. Kind of light some incense. The world is going down, but hey, just chill out. Now, if you like incense and serenity, that's, fine. that's, that's great. I'm into that, that's fine. But it's not what God is saying here. I actually, um, you know, when I went and picked up those beautiful, um, um, what do they call them? You slip in a book, my mind's gone blank. Bookmark, there you go. When I went and bought the beautiful bookmarks from Kurong, I also went to have a little scan around to see how many products I could find in Kurong that had be still and know that I am God on them. And there's quite a few. Let me just show you a few. When you go to Kurong, you can buy a bag that has be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. Let me just dig in and find what I've got here. You can find a little journal which says, Be still and know that I am God. There you go. And even better, when you're just kind of burning the incense and chilling out while everything goes down, well, there's a mug. I mean, everyone needs a mug with, well, if I can get it open, there we go. That's all wrapped up. There you go. Um, Be still and know that I am God. There you go. Just, Just while you're chilling and relaxing. And Tran and Delphine, um, I know we've got you something already, but I just wanted you to have these. Um, <laughs> just so that when you're in Wyala or in Port Lincoln, and if there are no seafood, if there's nothing going down, you've got that. There you go. Um, enjoy. You, you remember us by that. Again, if you like the incense this morning, that's great. But the Lord Almighty, the general of the army of the hosts of heaven, the warrior, It's actually a command. It's like, be still, stop, leave off, stop what you're doing. It's not spoken as a word of comfort to harassed people hiding in the city. It's actually a rebuke to the world and all of creation as it rages against the Lord Almighty. 
God isn't here encouraging us to just chill out, relax, and pour another gin and tonic. He's actually calling everyone, you and me included, to fall in line and recognize that He is God and that everyone must acknowledge Him as the one who has the highest place. See, in the face of the world collapsing, our hope is not for humanity's needs to be met, but for God's glory and his goodness to be acknowledged. You see, God is a mighty fortress, and those who are with him can afford to be fearless. But those outside the city, those raging against him, they need to hear the warning, be still, and recognize that God is the one who calls the shots. You know, the Apostle Paul, his life could be described in all kinds of ways, right? But it was never dull, that's for sure. He was arrested one time, the Apostle Paul, in Jerusalem for preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, As a Roman citizen, Paul appealed to the highest authority, to Caesar, and so he got on a boat to go to Rome to appeal his conviction. He jumped on a boat, but things didn't go very smoothly on the voyage. They got blown off course. Uh, The captain thought they'd try and make up some time. So instead of wintering in a port, Despite Paul's advice, uh, the ship tried to make up ground through some dangerous waters. The gamble didn't pay off. They got caught in a raging storm. They lost control of the ship and the storms were just unrelenting. Uh, The first thing they did in order to kind of sort of salvage the situation was they were forced to unload over the edge all of their cargo, which is kind of like throwing away all your money because it was only when they arrived in port and sold their goods that they'd get some money. They were desperate to hang on to their lives. By day three, they were dumping the ship's tackle and the ropes. To quote Acts 27, they'd given up all hope of being saved. And it was at that point that the Apostle Paul spoke to all on board and said, I quote, Last night an angel of the, God, of, of the Lord, to whom I belong and to whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. Keep up your courage. They're great words in a storm. Doesn't mean the storm stopped. Later on, the ship continued and and came dangerously close to rocks. The sensible and experienced sailors on board naturally feared for their lives. They had a choice. Will we listen to Paul's words or jump in the lifeboat? So they pretended to go down the back of the boat and drop some anchors, but they actually dropped a lifeboat. And Paul calls the centurion and the soldiers on board and said, unless they, unless, they, unless they stay with me, the ship and you cannot be saved. Paul's point was there is safety if you stick on the side of Almighty God when you trust and obey him. Go beyond him and there is no security, there's no safety. Even if you think you have a better plan, To go against God is actually not safe. You see, my temptation when the world is falling apart, at least my experience of when I think the world is falling apart, is that I'll just go and run things my way for a little while. I'll fix it. Not to be still, but to rage. For our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, I'm sure the temptation in this collapsing world is to seek vengeance, brutal and bloody vengeance. 
for Poppy's dad, weeping for his wife. I'm sure the temptation was to to rage against God, let bitterness fester up, be consumed by self-pity. When the world is falling apart, the temptation is to get scared and to go it alone rather than bravely staying within the safety of loving and trusting and obeying our good and gracious God. Brothers and sisters, we need to hang on to this psalm so we can sing about God's exaltation, not when things are going well, but when things are at the lowest. That's why I've seen this psalm actually appear on, mostly on condolence cards. Because it's then when we're afraid to keep doing things God's way, it's then we need to remember both God's victory and his proximity. We need to sing that chorus. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress because God's victory is complete. He has crushed every one of our greatest enemies. Our greatest enemy of sin, which tempts us to wander off and exalt ourselves, that cuts us off from God. Well, Jesus has destroyed that by living the perfect life. Our enemy of death, the consequence of our sin, Jesus has destroyed us. He died, but death could not hold him down. Our enemy, the devil, the one who's the murderer, the liar, the deceiver, well, Jesus has destroyed him as well. You see, the victory of God is complete over everything and anything that the world can throw at us. And therefore, we need not fear even as things collapse around us. We've got God's victory. We've also got God's proximity, his closeness, When Jesus told his disciples just before he died for the sins of the world that he was going away, he gave them this amazing comfort. John 14, 26. The counsellor, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. And Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And just before Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father after crushing sin and defeating death, he said to his followers, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. See, God is not distant. He is imminent. He's not some kind of cosmic clockmaker who set things going and then just walked away. He's so close that he dwells in every believer. Psalmist, when he sang when he faced fear, he didn't lose heart because the Lord of hosts was with him. This isn't a song to leave on the shelf and just pull down when a nuclear holocaust kind of comes around. It's a psalm for regular reflection. It's a call to live a life that exalts God, a call to shelter in Him. It's not a guarantee that this life will be comfortable and cozy. But it does mean like Paul from our second reading, 2 Corinthians 4, we can say, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We don't need to lose heart because we have God with us. I'll close with this. 
Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, used the word unfektungen. Can you say that with me? Unfektungen. There you go. To describe his struggles with God. Um, Unfektungen has been described as the crisis of uncertainty that drives a believer back to God. It's that feeling uh, of God being both present and absent. Uh, God being too near but also too far. The wrath of God but also the love of God. Uh, That God is weak but he's also almighty. God is hidden and yet he's also revealed. And Luther was one who sang in the face of fear. He's a man who struggled with depression all of his life. And in 1527, perhaps the year of the greatest depths of his depression, he wrote a hymn based on his favourite psalm, Psalm 46. It was called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Shall I sing it for you? I'll sing a couple of lines. This is my audition for singing this year at church. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. And then he goes on. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. I'll stop there and I'll read the next lines. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. Luther didn't think for a second, didn't think for a second that life in this world would be just one of endless comfort and somehow that he would be because he's in Jesus spared from attacks. But he did amidst it all have a deep, deep, certain security that the God of Israel, the God of the cross was with him. Brothers and sisters, However much your world collapses around you, it cannot shake God. His power, his protection is unmatched. I don't know about Mother Teresa. I don't know if she made it through her darkness and despair. But I do know that for you and for me, our God is with us. And we can sing in the face of fear. And let's give thanks for that. Would you join me in prayer? Let's give thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the almighty one. Father, you are the one above all nations, that nothing can move or shake you. Father, we thank you that you are our refuge, our strength and our fortress. We thank you for being with us. May the truth of this psalm, may the victory that we have in Jesus, and may the wonder of the proximity of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, be our comfort all our days. And in particular, our joy when times are hard,
and when times are uncertain. So Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.